everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, what a party it was. Are we feeling it a little bit this morning? Probably so. Were there too many wings devoured? Too much shenanigans that took place? Maybe some folks took an extra piece of cake here and there? you dang right. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond the Third, better known as RP3. Joining me with bells on, with enthusiasm, and not tired at all, is the producer extraordinaire. <laughs> and a five names. We made it. 10th birthday bash in the books. It was a good one. It was a good one. Had a great time out of Buffalo Wild Wings. We gave away a ton of prizes. Got to meet some of our diehard listeners, our big fans. Appreciate all of you for coming out. Also got to meet some new fans. It was a great time. We had t-shirts given away. Gave away Rounds of golf, gift baskets, Astros tickets. Shout out to Doc for that. Shout out to the guru, Spencer's dad, for winning tickets as well. It was a great time. Our guy Darren was there, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company. My man started it off. Started off the winning. We won't tell you what he won. Got to keep that on the down low for right now. A great time. Steve Wiley was there celebrating his birthday as well. I do believe he turned 49 years old. (laughs) It was a good time. Nice turnout. Very nice turnout. Appreciate all of you that came out. And we had waves. Right? We had waves of people that came out last night for the party at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador. Not only did we have all of the 1037-1041 The Game family in the house. Shout out to us. I'm talking myself, Hannah, Clint Domain, James Mesh, Matt Miguez, Footsie was in the house. My man was holding court. I said it last night. I said the next time we do one of these things, we should just have an event. Come meet Kevin. Kevin will be here. There will be food in Kevin, and that will bring the people. But we got to meet a ton of people. Darren came out, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. Right? Martin came out. He showed up a little late, but he showed up with style. Right? <laughs> he just showed up. 
was like, is Martin going to come? Of course, Martin had a job, so he had to wait till the job was done for him to bebop in and pop up, show up there at the event. Doc came. He was there. He brought the family. I tried to offer Doc cake at the end because he's got his little ones with him. He's like, no. <laughs> no. Sugary cake for the kid? Nope. Nope. No, thank you. No. Appreciate you. No. <laughs> he was like, uh-uh. No. Nope. None of that. Please don't. We need to leave now. Please. Paul, one of Kevin's diehard callers, longtime callers came. He brought paperwork for everyone to join the New York Yankees bandwagon, which was pretty funny. That was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty good. The guru, a.k.a. Spencer, and his dad came. Clint Domain's dad came, popped up. That was nice. We met so many people. Hannah had to write down their names. There's a lot of people. A lot of people. Jamie, of course, was there. Jamie was our first guy there. First fan there. And shout out to uh, Jamie Dale Murphy. That's all I'm going to say, man. Dale Murphy. We had a good time. So, appreciate everyone that came out. Had a lot of great conversations with all of you. We sincerely appreciate you guys being out there. Look, 10 years on the air is a long time. Started off small. Now we're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Couldn't have done it without you guys listening. Oh, and not to mention, we almost didn't get to get to this. The Miguez family was in the house. Papa Miguez, Mama Miguez was there. And Matthew has a brother who, by the way, has asked to come on his brother's show, yet it has not happened. As the man responsible for the game, should I use my powers, if you will, to make that happen. Because <laughs> I came up to him. I was chatting with the Miguez family. Wonderful people. And I was like, I was like, well, hey. And his brother's like, yeah, I keep asking to, to come on his show, and he, he, he won't do it. And I was like, well, let's do it right now. And I see, Miguez, I see Miguez's face. He's on the air. And he's looking at me. And I look at him, and I just start laughing. And he texts me. He's like, what? what what did he say? What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> I said, we'll put you on the air right now, buddy. He says, I actually got to go to to uh, gotta go pick up my kids. I said, I, I, look, I said, hey, don't you worry about it. We'll get you next time. I'll make this happen. So, <laughs> so th- th- there'll be a Miguez family member on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh sooner than later, probably in the next few weeks. If I have anything to say about it. 
Got a cool little snapshot slideshow video up on our social media accounts in case you were unable to come to our birthday bash. Some people had to work. Some people had prior commitments, were unable to come. Completely understand. But if you wanted to catch just how much fun we did have, go check out our social media accounts. We have tons of photos. We have a slideshow up, the whole nine yards. It was a great time. Gave away a ton of stuff, which is always nice. People love winning free stuff, by the way. And what we did, instead of doing the traditional door prize, right, where you walk in and we give you a ticket and then like we we call your number and everything, we didn't do that. Shout out to Shanae up front for coming up with Spin the Wheel. So when you came to the party last night, instead of getting a ticket and having your number called and all that good jazz, you got to come up to the wheel. And the wheel had prizes all along it. All over it. So depending on where the wheel stopped is what you won. 50-inch flat screen TV, boom, that was that was given away. Astros tickets, given away. Gift cards to clothing stores, check. Car washes, check. T-shirts, koozies, check, check. Jason Aldean tickets, check. Took care of that as well. So we had plenty of good stuff, and people loved the wheel, man. They just loved the wheel. They couldn't wait to spin that wheel. <laughs> it was great. Sometimes people got uh, some people. Some people got really excited. They wanted to spill, uh, spin the wheel twice. We're like, you can't win twice. <laughs> they got that excited. The man from South Lafouche came. Longtime listener, caller of Kevin Foot Show footnotes. It's a good time, man. Good time. Take a moment here, not only to thank Buffalo Wild Wings for serving as the site for our birthday bash. They did a great job with the service, with the food, the drinks, and everything else. Also want to take a moment to thank all of our Door Prize sponsors, Gambino's Bakery on Johnson Street, Audio Video Innovators, The Wash, Partners Limited, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Farm Alley Golf Course, Mosley and Holland Men's Clothing, and Louisiana Hot Stuff. We do truly appreciate all of them for helping us celebrate a decade of the game being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Couldn't have done it without them last night. It was a phenomenal time. Phenomenal time. What do we got lined up for you today? How about three great guests? How about two soon-to-be Louisiana Sports Hall of Famers on the docket? Oh, that gets your attention, doesn't it? Jari Evans, the Saints legend, best interior offensive lineman in franchise history. He'll be joining us at 7.30 this morning. We're going to follow that up at 8 o'clock with our friend Les East from CrescentCitySports.com to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. What is the latest? Keep hearing some rumors that they're thinking about trading down out of the number eight spot. We'll get all that information because tonight is the NBA draft. 
And we'll get that information when Les East joins us at straight up 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, the first LSU gymnast to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. The only LSU gymnast to win the all-around national championship individual. Susan Jackson will be joining us as well. So we got two Hall of Famers and one of the best sports journalists the state has. That's who we got lined up for you today. 7.30, Jari Evans, 8 o'clock, Les East. 8.30, Susan Jackson. Of course, we're going to talk Houston Astros baseball this morning. Take that, New York Mets. As Atlanta Braves fan, I thank you, Astros. We're going to talk College World Series. One team has punched their ticket to the national championship round. <coughs> Still waiting on another. And we'll get to all the news that you want to discuss. Plus, of course, the game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You want to holler at us about last night's birthday bash? You want to talk College World Series, Houston Astros, or the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame? Just be nice to the lady on the other end of the phone line, and we'll get you on. But we have a poll question of the day. Go ahead and let you know about that before we hit our first time out. Once again, the NBA draft is tonight. What are the Pelicans going to do? They sit at number eight. What should the Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? Should they stay at eight? Take the best player available? Should they trade up? Package a player and maybe some of those second round picks to move up a couple spots to get a better player? Or should they trade down? That's our poll question of the day. What should the Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? So go vote on that and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. We got to take a timeout. Our first one of today's show. When we return here at RP3 and Company, Houston Astros take down the New York Mets. Jordan Alvarez is an absolute machine. A couple more home runs for the MVP candidate. We'll break it all down for you coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh my crawfish pie. What a great time we had last night for the game's 10th birthday bash. Don't forget if you're were unable to attend, weren't able to come hang out with your boy RP3 and the rest of the get along gang here at the game. Not to worry. We shared a slew of photos on social media. Not to mention we put up a slideshow on social media as well from last night's festivities. And hey, do us a favor. You love listening to the game? You love us, right? We're part of your morning commute. We're part of your day. Go like our Facebook page. Go help us out. Give us a like on the Facebook page. 
Facebook page went down earlier this year. So I know you're probably thinking to yourself, RP3, already liked the page, already followed the page. But it's time out. But not the new one. Not the new and improved game page. So go like and comment on our new game Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What do you believe the Pelicans are going to be doing tonight? Tonight is the NBA draft. Pelicans sit at number eight. What do you believe those birdies are going to do? Are they going to stay at eight and take best player available? Are they going to try to take one of their existing players and maybe a second-round pick to trade up a couple spots? Or do you think they're going to trade down to try to get more value? We want to hear from you. That's our poll question of the day. What should the Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? Right now, 54% of you say stay at 8. 23% of you say trade up. Another 23% say trade down. John Paul Cajun Daddy says all they need is a good scoring support role player. I see good things for the Pels. John Paul Cajun Daddy with the optimism this morning. Love it. Here for it. Keep it coming. With our poll question of the day, leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. Right now, let's head out to the hotline. The man who came in and made quite the entrance last night at the birthday bash, our friend Martin. Good morning, brother. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Bald and beautiful one. First of all, uh, I know who to call next time I need my ceiling fans clean because, uh, man, I didn't realize you were that tall, man. It made me feel short. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I, 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 I'm a large, I'm a large man. I'm a large human. Yes, man. You sh- you shouldn't be announcing radio. You should be playing basketball, man. Or or wrestling. Nothing. Or wrestling. Or wrestling. <laughs> there yes. you go. There you go. Yes, I'd be your number one fan. Anyway, so me and uh, Foot, I asked Foot to come up with a nickname for me. You know, uh, since I'm one of your most loyal customers. And I thought of a pretty, pretty good one. Y'all can call me the chef because you know I like stirring the pot, buddy. You know? Oh, there it is. There it is. I love so it. here's my daily, my daily, my daily pot stirring right here. So Mr. Uh, Mr. Green left a little too early. And so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, they're done. His uh, fighting boats, the dynasty is over. My abs are taking home the cup, and come Monday morning, I'll be singing um, We Are the Champions because we're raising that cup up. So there's my daily stirring of the pot, and uh, I enjoyed meeting y'all. I wish y'all could have stayed a little bit longer, you know, but I know uh, Miss Five Names had to go practice her chair dance-off skills, so, I mean, I can understand, you know. She's still got to beat Louis P to be the undisputed chair dance hall champion. MC Louis but, V, that's right, bud. Because, I mean, you know that dude. Not only can he spin the tunes but and drop the drop the drop the beats and, and, and drop the tunes and but he's you, you know he's got some mad dance skills. So <laughs> but that's all I had to say this morning. But like I said, I know Mr. Green's uh listening this morning. Sorry buddy. Yeah your boats are done. Y'all can't win against my Avalanche. Avalanche have been the best team all year. 
There's my hockey talk, and y'all have a blessed one, man. You too, appreciate brother. it. <clears throat> Martin coming in with compliments and throwing shade at another listener. Only Martin. Only Martin. My man came. He came, yeah. It was a heck of a game last night. The Lightning, they struck first. You're like, hey, here they come. They're going to even up this series, but to lose it in overtime on that goal, that's a a bit of a punch to the gut, so to speak, for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. Appreciate Martin for coming. He brought Paul with him, too. They're a tag team. Oh, yes. There we go. They're a tag team now. Old school wrestling tag team. They could be some they could be those high flyer high flyers from back in the day. Small but effective. Like Rock and Roll Express. That's what they could do. That's right. A little mid-south talk there for you. Let's talk Houston Astros, shall we? They're in the mix of being considered one of the best teams in baseball. And this week, we've talked a lot about it. Would go a long way of them establishing themselves as probably the best team in the big leagues. Right now, that distinction belongs to the New York Yankees. First team to get to 50 wins. That pitching staff has really come together, at least has started off extremely strong. And the Mets are your second best team in Major League Baseball and the best team in the National League. And guess what? The Strohs get to play them all. Four games against the Mets this week, four games against the Yankees. The first two of the week were against the Mets. They took game one yesterday. They took game two. 5-3 was your final score. Yarden Alvarez is an absolute machine. He hit two more home runs yesterday in the day baseball game. And look, they went up early, the Strohs did, four to nothing. Added another run there in the third, and it looked like they were going to be on cruise control in this game. Brantley doubled to deep right to start things off, scoring Altuve. Bregman got himself a home run. Seems like he's maybe turned that corner. Going to knock on wood if you're an Astros fan. He's had a really good four or five games now. Seems like he's starting to settle in. So Breggs gets the two-run blast. That puts him up 3-0. Alvarez homers as well, and that caps off their first inning. They're up 4-0. Now the Mets played a run with the sack fly there in the, uh, in the third inning, but then Alvarez turns right back around and hits a 412-foot home run. 5-1. Now, Marte gets that double to deep right center. That brought in a run in the six. And then Alonzo hit the sack fly to get another run, but that was enough. Things got a little hairy there in the sixth inning. There was some pacing by Kevin Foote there at B-dubs. There's now a nice worn spot around a table from all the pacing he had. But Garcia was good enough. He was good early. Then got into trouble. They had to pull him there. Only lasted five innings. Gave up three runs on six hits. Struck out five. Stanek came in. And then they went bullpen the rest of the way using four relief pitchers. 
Presley was able to come in to close out the victory. And you look at the lineup. All right, Altuve got on base, didn't get a hit, but did score. Bregman, two for three, run scored, had the home run, two ribbies. Average is up to 229. Now, we've seen a couple of good games from him. Can he continue that pace? Yuli, by the way, went 0 for 4. But they got the job done. 5-3 victory for them, Strohs. They take the first two games of this stretch against the two best teams in baseball who just happened to be from New York, one in the Bronx, one in the Queens. And then they got on the plane last night, and they're already in New York. Four-game set at the New York Yankees. Two best teams in baseball are going to square off. First pitch tonight, 6-10. 6-10, because it's on the East Coast. Get a little bit earlier. Yay. 6-10. Astro launch with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks is going to start about 5-35. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. You're home for the Astros. Astros improve to 43-25 on the year. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Bob to the show. Bob, good morning to you, bud. What's on your mind? Bob, bud, are you there? Terry Salt, when you look at it, technically, I know four of the eight was SEC, but you could say six of eight because we're about to add Texas and Oklahoma. That's right, bud. That's right. Oklahoma punched their ticket in. Yeah, that's right. They're already in the national championship series. I tell you what, all the pressure's on Ole Miss. They were sitting in the catbird seat, and now they might be in trouble. Well, yeah, you know, you lose a, you lose a really close game like they did to Arkansas, and I said it yesterday on the show, even though I liked Ole Miss's chances, of the two teams that I felt could pull off the upsets and move on and win two games to get to the championship series, I liked Arkansas's chances better. It's just how they're built. And they, they showed some guts last night. It's going to be a heck of a game, an elimination game today for sure. No doubt. I'm, I'm excited that Arkansas pushed it to uh, another game. And I think, honestly, though, Oklahoma should be happy they did because now Ole Miss has got to burn more pitching and play that extra game while Oklahoma has a day off. That's right, brother. That's right. But I appreciate the and phone call. Got to hit a timeout, though, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day, okay. bud. Hey, go Braves. There we go. Chop on. That's what I'm talking about. Appreciate the phone call. Keep those phone calls coming. Hotline is open this morning. Want to hear from you. Want to talk College World Series. Want to talk Houston Astros. Want to talk tonight's NBA draft. Want to talk the birthday bash. We're all about it. Give us a holler. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match for Sports Talk Love, that is. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
if you haven't joined the clubhouse yet, you need to do so. You know who's already a member? Martin. A lot of the fellas that were in the house last night for the birthday bash, I can guarantee you they're members of our clubhouse because they love winning free stuff. And if you're listening right now, don't feel bad. Don't feel like you're missing out. Because here's the thing. You can join too. It's simple. It's free. We even have a video now up on our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, that shows you how to sign up. It's just that simple. Trust me. If your boy RP3 can do it, you can. And here's the thing. Once you become a member of our clubhouse, you're going to be able to win great stuff, free stuff. We're talking concert tickets, Astros tickets, and so much more. Oh, right now in the clubhouse? We got gift certificates to some of the best places to eat in Acadiana. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. You want to have a great night on the town? Boom. We'll take care of that for you. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. We also have a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Delicious Gulf seafood. Want to take your lady out for a good time? We can help you with that. And you want something a little bit more cash. Let's just you go down to Cypress by you to have a good time. Want to win a little money. Put a little money back in your pocket because we can hook you up with a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only win those great prizes by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. So go sign up. It's easy. It's free. We even have an instructional video now showing you how to make it happen. Go visit 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com to sign up for our clubhouse today. Birthday bash was yesterday. Once again, appreciate everyone who showed up for that. And it was a festive mood inside B-Dubs because the Houston Astros won, as we already established. Jordan Alvarez hits two home runs. Alex Bregman gets himself a dinger as well as they take two games from the New York Mets before heading over to the Bronx to take on the Yankees, best team in baseball. But the College World Series was also going on there on the 1,872 different televisions that are available inside Buffalo Wild Wings. And Oklahoma said, Texas A&M, thanks but no thanks. We don't want to play you for another time. 5-1 victory for Boomer Sooner. They have no problems whatsoever taking out Texas A&M and sending them packing. A&M's great season, great turnaround season for the Aggies, right? Didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago. They turn around. They go 5-0 and in regional, super regional play. They host both of those in College Station. They make it to the College World Series. They make it all the way to the semifinals. Nothing to hang their hat about there. But Texas A&M, the last remaining National seed in the series, by the way, is sent home. Oklahoma, not seeded. Remember, they went on a tear at the tail end of the season and through the Big 12 tournament, winning their regional and super regional as a road team. They were not one of the national seeds, yet they're playing for the national championship, already punching their ticket to it. And A&M was the last team that was a national seed remaining. Just goes to show you, this is baseball. It's different. It's different. 
You got two other teams battling it out for the other spot in the championship that were not national seeds as well and had to do it the hard way, winning on the road. Oklahoma established themselves early. Three runs right there in the first, man. Crooks just hit that blast that put them up three to nothing. Then they scored on an error in the third and then added another run there in a fifth by Treadway, who hit a single into left field. That put them up five nothing. Rock got a homer there in the sixth for Texas A&M to avoid being shut out, but that's all they could do. Sandin was very good. Seven innings pitched. Only one run on five hits. He struck out 12. 12. You know you're feeling like a team of destiny when one of your pitchers goes out there in the semifinals of the College World Series and takes out the national seed by throwing, recording rather, 12 strikeouts. Sure does feel like Oklahoma is that team of destiny, doesn't it? I've said it before, said it a couple weeks ago. They just feel that way, the way they're playing. So Oklahoma, they move on. That was the first game of the day in the College World Series up in Omaha yesterday. The second game was far more competitive and filled with drama. That was Ole Miss-Arkansas, the two SEC West teams battling it out. We already know we're going to get an SEC team once again in the national championship round. That's going to happen. But who's it going to be? Ole Miss had the advantage because the Rebels, well, they hadn't lost a game at the College World Series, so they just needed to win yesterday's game and move on just like Oklahoma did. That's all they needed to do. The Razorbacks, though, they had something else. They had something else. And you got to love the fight from the Razorbacks because they could have easily been eliminated. But instead, they hold on for a 3-2 win against Ole Miss. They force a winner-take-all game in that side of the bracket's final. Winner advances to the best two out of three championship series against Oklahoma. Loser has their season come to an end. And this is going to be another epic game this afternoon. Three o'clock is going to be first pitch when these two teams meet. It was 1-1 after the second. Some good pitching early on through the first four innings of this ball game, and really all ball game. Arkansas gets a run in the fifth to go up two to one. Then we have a back-to-back scoreless innings again in the sixth and the seventh. And then Arkansas gets that much-needed insurance run in the eighth. And why was it needed in a close ball game? Because in the bottom of the ninth, Ole Miss played it a run. Bench hit a single to left that scored Dunhurst. I'm sorry, that scored Alderman. And the Rebels still had runners on the bases. But Arkansas got out of it. Things could have came off real quick right there. Ole Miss scores and they have runners on the base pass to be able to tie the game and possibly win the game. But credit the Razorbacks. After scoring that barrage early on with the solo home run there in the second and then the solo home run there in the fifth, 
Alderman for Ole Miss also had that home run there in the second. It was a weird start to the game where it was just nothing but solo home runs. (laughs) Credit Morris for closing it. One inning of work, gave up the hit, but was able to get out of the jam and close the door as the Razorbacks hold on to win 3-2. to two. Now these two teams will meet yet again. They've met during the regular season. They met already in this College World Series twice before. They're going to play a third time in Omaha. Winner gets the chance to play for the national championship. Which SEC team is going to move on? We'll find out later today, early this evening. Once again, Oklahoma already has advanced. They're just waiting to find out if it's going to be the Razorbacks or the Rebels that they're going to face. Man, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. By the way, for Oklahoma, it's the first time since 1994 that the Oklahoma baseball team will play for a national championship. They've now won 13 of 15 in the NCAA tournament. 3-0 and in Omaha at the College World Series. That sure does feel like a team of destiny to me. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one, give you an update on the poll question of the day. We'll keep taking those phone calls as well. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, Don't forget Houston Astros baseball on tonight right here on The Game. Look, they're going to take the red hot take on the red hot new york yankees the pinstripers that's right the astros head to the bronx for four game series this week first game of that series will be tonight and you can listen to it live right here on the game first pitch set for 6:10 astro launch with robert ford and steve sparks will begin at 5:35 once again astro launch astro pregame 5:35 <clears throat> first pitch 6-10, Astros at Yankees. Oh, man, this could be a preview of the ALCS. Should be a great series. Astros, they're hot. Yankees, red hot. Should be a great four-game set in the Bronx. Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? We asked you. That's right. Tonight's NBA's draft. What will the Pelicans do? They have the number eight overall pick right now. There's some scuttlebutt, if you will, that the player that they want, they they got their eye on a couple players, they may not be there. So what do the Pelicans do? What should the Pelicans do, rather, in tonight's NBA draft? 
Should they stay at eight? Should they trade up? Maybe package something with Jackson Hayes? Trade up. Or should they simply trade down, get another asset? They're going to have to give that max contract to Zion Williamson. They're not going to have a ton of money left over. Do they go ahead and just try to get as much value as possible? What do you think they should do? Right now, 65% of you say they should stay at number 8. 20% say trade down. 15% say trade up. Steve on Twitter says, if they ever make a water boy too, I recommend Martin take Rob Schneider's role as the you-can-do-it guy. As for the draft, I choose option four. Who cares how many days till football? Steve bringing the saltiness on this Thursday. Our guy Steve says, it's time for some salt. (laughs) Oh, Steve, I'm here for it. JPK, the OD. I want Benedict Mathurnan at number eight and Justin Lewis in the second. Also, we need some more coverage of the dumpster fire that is the Lakers. They are the slot machine that keeps paying out. We, We get to swap ones next year. It'll be a lotto pick. Then we get their 24 or 25 number one. Darren, who came last night, shout out to D, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, showed up to the birthday bash. Package the pick in Zion while his value is as high as it is right now is what they should do, but they won't. They will end up adding a player that won't help right away. JPK, the OD, then shared a gif of a dumpster on fire floating down a flooded street, which is one of my favorite gifts of all time. <laughs> oh, man. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep your comments coming as well. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids when you're leaving them on Facebook and Twitter. What will they do? I don't know. Here's the thing, and me and D had this conversation last night at B-Dubs. The Pelicans are not a player away. They're not. Yeah, they get Zion back. You got McCollum and B.I. and Zion. And yet, so you get great contributions from Herb Jones. Murphy kind of turned a corner, right? So you got some young pieces. Jonas is nice. They're not a one guy away from being a Nash, uh, being a world champion. There's not. So, I'm not for sure what they're going to do. Hour number one is in the books. That's what I'm sure about. Got to take a timeout. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. The party was yesterday. 
getting back to business today. Great first hour in the books. We talked Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez hitting two home runs. Alex Bregman hitting a home run. Sure does look like he's maybe turned a corner. Maybe he just need Kevin Foote to come back from vacation to criticize him live on the air. I don't know. But Bregs is starting to feel himself a little bit again. Strohs get the win. They take the two-game series against the Mets at Minute Maid Ballpark. They're going to be headed to the Bronx for a four-game set against the New York Yankees. You can listen to game one of that series. You can listen to the whole series, actually. But you can listen to game one tonight. 6-10 first pitch, Astro launch 535. That's right. Astro launch with Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, 535. Then the game, first pitch, 6-10 from the Boogie Down Bronx. We talked about the Strohs. We talked about our birthday bash. It was a great success. Thanks to all who came out. Tons of photos. We shared on social media. We even put together a little video slideshow for you. In case you missed it, had a ton of people come out. Darren was there. Martin was there. Doc was there. The Guru and his dad were there. Clint Domain and his dad showed up. The man from South Lafouche was there. Rocking an old school game shirt, by the way. Appreciate that. Jamie was there. So many of you guys came out. Appreciate you for being part of our birthday celebration. And more importantly, appreciate you for helping making us Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Couldn't have done it without you. So thank you for all who showed up for the birthday bash. And you know what? Thank you to all who listened, even the ones that didn't show up for the birthday bash. Shout out to you. Thank you for making us part of your lives. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. In addition to the Astros and the birthday bash, we also touched on the College World Series. Oklahoma defeats Texas A&M for a second time. That means no national seeds remain at the College World Series. That means not a national seed will win the College World Series. Interesting how that worked out. Oklahoma, who very much feels like a team of destiny, just keeps on rolling right along. They take out Texas A&M yesterday for the second time in this College World Series. They punch their ticket to the championship round. Best two of three coming up for Boomer Sooner. I mean, and be hard-pressed to find somebody else that's better. They're going to be playing for a national championship in baseball for the first time since 1994. This Oklahoma team has won 13 of 15 in the NCAA tournament, including going 3-0 and in Omaha so far. Here's something else that's interesting. Tidbit of information from our research department, a.k.a. Hannah Five Names. Is this. If Oklahoma wins the World Series in baseball, it'll be the first time that the softball and baseball champions will be from the same school. I thought that had happened, but it never has. It's never occurred. You thought maybe Florida one of those years because they have good softball and baseball programs. But it's never happened. It's never happened. 
that the baseball team and the baseball national champion and softball national champion are from the same school. So if Oklahoma wins, they would make history because obviously the softball team crushed Texas to win the national championship in softball. So that's what's going on the line. Who will they face? That's the big question. Ole Miss had the advantage yesterday. Arkansas showed a lot of grit, lots of guts. When I was asked yesterday, I do believe it was asked by a caller, hey, of the two teams, who do you think's got the best chance? I go, I like Ole Miss to advance. I like Oklahoma to advance. But Arkansas is the one team of those teams where you go between them and Texas A&M who could win two games. I just felt like Arkansas was better equipped to do so. Razorbacks win a close one, three to two. They got an insurance run in the eighth inning, which they needed because Ole Miss plated run in the ninth and then had runners on the base pass threatening again. They'll play an elimination game this afternoon. Three o'clock, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Winner gets a chicken dinner. No, winner gets to move on to the National Championship Series. Best two out of three against Oklahoma this weekend. And we also touched on the NBA draft because that is our poll question of the day. Poll question of all time. No, Poll question of the day. Pelicans sit at number eight in tonight's NBA draft. What should they do? It was a discussion last night at the birthday bash between multiple folks. What should they do? Keep hearing some rumors. Now, could that just be smokescreen leading up to the draft? Could be. But keep hearing that the Pelicans are looking at possibly trading down, compiling some picks and trading down because the player, they have their eyes on one or two players and they may be gone by that time, so they may trade back to get more value. Once again, I've said it before, I like what the Pelicans are doing. Can Zion stay healthy? I have no idea. But you get McCullum, you get B.I., you get Herb Jones, Murphy. And on top of that, you got some other pieces. That's great. But when I look at this draft, I don't see a guy that they could even take at number eight that would be a a game changer for them that would put them over the top and make them a contender in the West. They can pick up a dude that will help them be a playoff team. But is there anybody outside of the top three in this draft that you feel confident about that could be like, that's a guy that's a franchise changer? I, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. Poll question of the day. What should the Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? 64% of you right now say they should stay at number eight. 22% say they should trade down. 14% say trade up. Hart on the Twitter says, I don't know what they're planning to do, but they definitely need a consistent three-point shooter. Their lack of one cost them quite a few games this year. I Hart, I think they believe that's Murphy, right? I think they believe that's Trey. He came on late in the last quarter of the season. He took the tough coaching from Willie Green. So we'll see. We'll see if that's the guy that can be them, be that role for them. But, yeah, look, 
here's the thing. You can't have enough shooters. You can't have enough shooters. Do you believe we have somebody out on the hotline? It's not Doug. I was hoping to hear from Doug this morning. Doug, if you can, call us back. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. But let's head out to the hotline welcome on Martin because one call's not enough for our guy. He needs a second one. He wants one one in every hour is what he needs. <laughs> Martin, what's up, bud? Well, you know, I got to keep my fans happy, you know, because uh, I can tell they, 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 they love the chef, you know, since I like stirring the pot, you know, and I bring the sauce, you know. But uh, funny. What you got, bud? (laughs) Okay, so I got y'all. I got, I got y'all. Full question of the day for tomorrow. uh, Bald and beautiful one, and I think it'd be a perfect one. Are you ready for it? All right, bud. Okay, since Steve wants to say, since Steve says I should play the you can do it guy, I was like, hmm, okay. I think the poll question of the day should be, what should Martin's nickname be? What should what Martin's nickname? nickname be for the game? Oh, that could be exactly. a good one. Exactly. That could be a good one. That could be a that could be our poll question of the day tomorrow or a bonus poll question. All right, bud, I'm going to work on it. Yes, sir. And if I wanted to share something kind of funny that happened after y'all left. So my buddy, my good buddy, Paul, Yankees fan, was so worried about hanging, uh, handing out his little stupid applications, you know, since nobody wants to be a Yankees fan because, I mean, they, they buy championships, that he walks out of Wild Wings last night, he forgets to pay the, the most important paper of the night, and that's his tab. So he had to turn all the way back around and pay his tab. <laughs> but if you want to jump on a, a bandwagon like that, that got three broken cars and one soon to go, uh, I mean, by all means go. But uh, like I'm going to say it again, the Yankees are not winning the World Series. It's it's just a matter of time before they crash and burn. And uh, All right, bud. I got to let wanna, you go. Um, I, I got another I call, Martin. I got to let you go, brother. Okay, I appreciate y'all, and y'all have a good one. I'm done for today. Bye-bye. All right, let's head back out to the hotline. Doug, do we have Doug now? Doug has arrived on the show. My brother, how are you doing, bud? Oh, Ray, I was almost crying last night. I couldn't go to the party, man. That's all right, you bud. You know what I mean? Are you talking, talking with you now? Are in our mid-60s. We live way out here in Arnaville, and... The wife is kind of sickly. I couldn't leave her home by herself, but I thought about it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I really wanted to go. Um, Ray, Martin has a fan club? Oh, my God. <laughs> you go, Martin. <laughs> oh, hey, Ray, like that. Watch out. Yeah, Ray, I mean, uh, college baseball, Ray. It would be the first time ever if uh, Oklahoma baseball wins it. You know what I mean? The softball team won the uh, World Series. I, it, it's something, I'm telling you. And the Razorbacks, to come back against Ole Miss like that or, or to take the lead, and they just kept the lead the whole time. But for Ole Miss to drop that game, it was, man, I, I, I couldn't believe it. But I, I still believe it will be Ole Miss and uh, Oklahoma at the end, Ray. It was a great baseball game last night. I was, uh, 
I was excited about it. Uh, yeah, it'll be Oklahoma and Ole Miss, Ray. I'm sorry I missed the party, buddy. Not a problem, bud. You're gonna get us on the net. You're gonna get us next time, brother. All right. I will, buddy. All right. Appreciate Take the phone easy, call. Ray. Enjoy the game this afternoon, brother. Thank you, Ray. All right, bud. Shout out to Doug. Shout out to our guy, Doug. Couldn't come. Hey, look, man. That that trip from Arneville to the Buffalo Wild Wings. It's not. It, 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 it's not a short trip. My in-laws live in Arneville. My wife's from Arneville. Okay. I live in Sunset. Okay. Getting all the way down Ambassador Caffrey. It's a little bit of a little bit of a journey. <laughs> For us folks at St. Landry Parish. But had to be there. Had a great time. Doug, you, you weren't able to come, bud, but that's not a problem, brother. We knew you were there in spirit with us, Doug. You were there in spirit with us. Uh-oh, see, here we go. See, I knew this was going to happen. So I was waiting because they chirp at each other from time to time. Martin, who's already filled his quota for phone calls for the day, and Salty Steve. Steve has come back. See, Martin always wants to take shots at the Yankees, and Salty Steve is a diehard Yankees fan. Now, Steve is old enough where his Yankee fandom is warranted. It's not bandwagon, right? He grew up. I don't know how old Steve is, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Steve probably grew up watching Mickey Mantle and then watching Reggie Jackson and Louisiana Lightning and Munson and all those guys in the 70s during that run, right? And then probably was a Yankees fan going throughout the 80s where they had Donnie Baseball, Don Manley, for those who don't know that name. And they could never, you know, put together a winner. And then Steinbrenner finally got it together and put together that dynasty there in the late 90s. But Salty Steve is a Yankees fan. So they, they they chirp back and forth with each other. Martin's a Red Sox fan. Steve has chimed in. When did they put a cell phone tower in the Henderson Swamp? Tell Martin he's about to feel the heat. <laughs> y'all, y'all better play nice. It was our birthday bash yesterday, dang it. Come on now. We celebrated a birthday yesterday. Y'all getting salty with each other. Snapping. Y'all keep it clean. Y'all be nice. You can have a war of words. You just be nice about it now. Just saying. Darren has chimed in as well. New nickname for y'all's show. RP3 and Company. Also known as 8. RP3 plus Hannah 5 names. 3 plus 5 equals 8. Y'all make a good combo. There it is. There we go. There we go. You, 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 we do know we have not made it official. Maybe we'll make it official tomorrow where we add Steve Wiley to the company family. Hmm? It feels like, feels like, feels like we're just, we're just, we're growing this family. We're just growing it. We're expanding it. It's what we do here. We got to take a timeout. Martin with the, Martin with the rare two phone calls in one day. My man's fired up. That is pretty funny about Paul, though. (laughs) He had to turn around. Have you ever forgotten something and had to turn back around for it? Yes. I've done that. Don't think I've ever forgotten to pay a tab. On accident. 
Uh, uh, there was an occasion years ago in New Orleans. We don't have time to get into it. <laughs> oh, man, we got to take a time out. Keep those phone calls coming. Game hotline is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rescue Fest is Saturday. That's right, this Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There's going to be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. And look, Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana. They're a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. It's a great organization that's doing some tremendous but difficult work, needed work in our community. So if you want to help them out and go buy tickets to check out Rescue Fest, which will, of course, Help raise funds for the Rescue Group of Acadiana. Simply go to Eventbrite or visit rescuegroup.org. That's R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group.org. Poll question of the day. It's about the NBA draft. And I don't know if you're going to see a, a ton of surprises. I don't think this draft class is really deep. I think there's a lot of decent guys, but I feel that way a lot about the NBA draft. You know, there's only a few guys every year that are going to be generational guys or even going to be all-stars, right? Most of these guys are going to become bench players. Later in the first round, especially. Second round guys usually get stashed in G League or overseas. So very rarely do you look at a draft class and you go, box office, box office, box office. right? You had it with D-Wade, Carmelo, and LeBron back in the day. Chris Bosh, I want to say, was part of that draft class too, a little bit later on. But very rarely do you have multiple guys that are going to end up being perennial all-stars out of an NBA draft class. So... It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, we keep talking about what the Pelicans are going to do. It's our poll question of the day, and it makes sense because the Pelicans are here. But what about the Rockets? They're going through a very painful rebuild over in Houston. What are they going to do? How are they going to attack it? There's some questionable teams here that that I wonder what are they going to do. Oklahoma City's another one. How are they going to attack tonight's draft? There's some good franchises that have been good, that have played for championships, that are down right now. How are they going to rebuild? Once again, I don't believe this is an immensely deep draft class either. 
I think you're going to get some dudes. You're going to get some guys that can fill up rosters that can be contributors, sure. Are you going to get guys that are going to kind of transcend the sport? No. No. I don't feel that way, at least. But once again, I could be completely wrong. I do believe it's going to happen with Orlando. Jabari Smith looks like he's going to be the guy. He just looks the part to me. And the Orlando Magic have had great success drafting number one overall. Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Dwight Howard. So, this looks like Jabari Smith. Now, Gonzaga's Chet Holgram, maybe. But he's probably not going to fall out of the top three. Bonchero out of Duke, top three, top five. Maybe. And what are the Kings going to do? Sacktown's at number four. They draft terribly. They make tons of bad decisions year in, year out. What type of decision are they going to make that's going to hurt their franchise even more? Be interesting to see. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. Are you going to be trade? You had the Pistons trade yesterday. And your draft order for tonight's NBA draft. Magic won. They're going to draft number one overall. I think they're going to take Jabari out of Auburn. OKC's at two. Houston's at three. And then comes the, you know, wild cards. Sacramento at four. Detroit at five. Indiana usually drafts well. They're at six. The Trailblazers are at seven. And New Orleans is at eight. Portland and Indiana typically draft well. That's not good news for New Orleans, who's sitting right behind them. The wild cards and all this is going to be what's Sacramento going to do at four and Detroit going to do at five. But NBA draft will be tonight. Once again, the Pelicans have the number eight overall pick. What are they going to do with it? Or rather, our poll question of the day is, what should they do with it? What should they do? Right now, 67% of you say they should stay at number eight overall. 20% say they should trade down. 13% say trade up. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk to a New Orleans Saints legend. Jahari Evans will be joining us. The best interior offensive lineman in Saints history going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this Saturday. He flew in yesterday. He's going to make some time for us today. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Every single year this happens. Fans get so amped up about 
players from big schools, big-time programs, the big national programs, the ones that are playing for national championships and the big-time bowl games. And they focus solely on them because they think those are the only types of players that can help a team win a championship. Well, that's just not the facts. If you actually look at the data, guys from smaller schools succeed just as much as the guys from the larger schools. And our first guest today, his story is proof of just that. Fourth round draft pick in the 2006 draft coming out of Bloomsburg College. He was drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And what did he end up doing? Well, he only played for a decade with the franchise. Was named first team All-Pro four times. Second team All-Pro once. Earned six Pro Bowl honors. Was named to the NFL's 2010's All-Decade team. Named to the New Orleans Saints 50th anniversary team. Helped the Saints win a Super Bowl championship. And has been inducted into the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame. And he will be inducted this Saturday night into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. The man many consider to be the best interior offensive lineman in Saints history. Jari Evans joins us now here on RP3 and Company. Brother, thank you so much for making the time. Good morning and congratulations. Good morning. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, bud. Walk me through the process. Take me back back in the day. Look, you were an All-American in college, but obviously you played for a smaller school. Just walk mm-hmm. us through that draft process for you back in the day. What was that like for you? You know, did you even interview with the Saints beforehand? Was it a surprise that they drafted you? What was that like? Well, uh, you know, I think back at the Combine, you know, being one of about seven Division two guys at the Combine, uh, you know, I remember just really participating in everything. Some guys have pro days where they only do maybe – one, two, three, or five things at the combine, knowing that they're going to do more at the pro day later. Uh, I just remember I didn't have any pro day, so I had to <laughs> I had to do everything. And I'm pretty sure that I met with the the Saints staff at the combine because uh, Jim Monas, who was a Saints scout, who was just a Philadelphia Eagles scout, his dad was my offensive coordinator in Bloomsburg, so I was on his radar you know, since a freshman in college. So I think I met with him at the Combine at some point. So, Jar, you, you met with them, and you felt, well, maybe yeah. they like you, but did you think that they liked you enough that they were going to be able to select you? And what was it like when you did get drafted? You know, I I didn't even uh, – <laughs> you know, at the Combine, it's, it's, it's a lot going on, and I was just saying, hey, well, hopefully one of the 32 teams <laughs> – you know, pick me up or, or draft me or free agency. But I always knew it was, it was a strong chance with them just because of my relationship with Jim and, and Coach Monas. But um, for them, you know, come draft day and to trade with the Eagles to move back and and then pick me up, you know, I didn't really uh, see that coming until it was I was getting a phone call. You're part of what many consider to be possibly the greatest draft class in Saints history. Because not only were you selected, they also took Zach Streif, Roman Harper, Reggie Bush, and of course, Marcus Colston. All those guys (laughs) became foundation pieces for that run that you guys were a part of, where you became one of the best teams in the National Football League and won a Super Bowl championship. But 
from the outside looking in, for us in the state of Louisiana, it was a great draft class, and we were excited because, hey, the Saints are coming back after having to be mm-hmm. vagabonds the year before to Katrina. When you get drafted by a team that had such a terrible season the year before, but more importantly, was devastated by a natural disaster, what's going through your head in that in that regard? Yeah, uh, just just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, you know, what am I? I remember driving down from Philadelphia and, and driving into uh, New Orleans in the city, and just seeing, you know, it being kind of like a ghost town. Um, but the one thing that that I say is even us young guys being drafted and, and the free agent acquisitions that we got coming in in 06, you know, we knew what our job was. Our job was to come here, win games, and uh, be the best players we can be. So, you know, you look back at that 06 cut, that 06 uh, team, we were half away from the Super Bowl in Chicago. And and that's kind of where it all started. Then I just felt like coaches and the organization just start plugging in pieces as the years went on to just make us a better team. When did you guys think you had something special that year? Was there a game, a particular game, or maybe a stretch of games, Jari, where you were like, hey, you know what? But we got something cooking here. We we got we have a great team. We have a contender. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of just the rate that we were. Well, first in training camp, it was tough. Uh, you know, we were we were really going at it. Defense was was really um, taking the ball away, challenging us as a, as a powerful offense and and trying to get the. You know, they were really preaching turnovers and getting the ball out. So there were a lot of fights. I remember in that training camp. And um, it was just the rate that we were we were scoring, putting up points, and then how the defense were just stopping guys and, and getting turnovers. But we saw that, you know, in training camp. And then when it translated to the season and in the games, you know, we yeah, I know all of us on offense was like, man, you know, we're, we're for real. If they continue to get us the ball, we're not going to let them down. We're going to score no matter what the situation is. And, and then we just start snowballing wins. And – you know, once you get to seven and eight, nine and ten, you know it was um, it was a great feeling. We just kept snowballing wins and and making sure that we didn't just you know didn't let each other down. We're speaking with Jari Evans. He is already in the Saints Hall of Fame. He was part of the NFL's All Decade Team for the 2010s. He was a multiple All Pro honoree, multiple Pro Bowler. And Saturday, he's going to be enshrined into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Let's talk about Drew Brees, I'm always fascinated to get different players' perspectives on what it was like playing with him. Uh, from an offensive lineman's perspective, what was it like blocking for Drew, and what was it like having him in the huddle? Uh, yeah, block, blocking for Drew was was amazing. He knew that you know, he wasn't going to hold on to the ball long. He knew where he wanted to go. And then the way he just you know set us up because of his weekly – during the week, his preparation, making sure that if he saw something at the O-line, he communicated to us so we can pick it up and give him that extra time to throw the ball. But uh, but Drew, Drew was amazing. He always took care of us as an O-line at the end of the year with tricks and gifts and, and things of that nature. But the thing I, I always admire about him is just how much time he put in off the field, in the classroom, studying, and then how he communicated with everybody, even the wide receivers and just to make sure that, that we were operating at an elite level. Um, you know, it all started with him, us watching how he prepared and making sure that, 
you know, we prepared and, and make sure that we, so we can execute and not miss anything on the field. Because as you know, you only get that one opportunity to uh, to execute and be successful. And, and a lot of times, you know, we we were able to hit it on, you know, hit the uh, nail, hit the hammer on the nail. Did uh, did that was that just kind of infectious when you see him putting in the extra work? First one there, last one to leave. Always looking at film. Did that inspire you and the rest of the team to put in the extra work as well? I think so. I think it uh, it gave us a not, I wouldn't say like a sense of urgency, but a sense of understanding that you know if we put in the time and we put in the effort, and you know because he's going to put it in the time and the effort that we we can achieve greatness and we can do something collectively as a group that uh, that that would be awesome. And and uh, and and you saw it. You know, you saw how it translated. From him being in the classroom to, to being on the practice field to how coaches scripted certain things. And then once you see those things happen in the game the same way you practice it, the same way you visualize it, you know, it gave you a sense of understanding like, okay, let's continue to duplicate this and, and continue to roll with it and make sure that we take the coach and make sure that we're listening to each other. And then making sure that we trust, you know, each other and what we're seeing in our communication. As an offensive lineman, particularly an interior offensive lineman like you were, what do you take more satisfaction with? Is it protecting your quarterback enough for him to throw a touchdown pass, or is it mauling the guy in front of you to open up a hole for the running back to score? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, he, you know, obviously I, I think um, the run game definitely allows you to be more physical, allows you to show your physicality and and uh, get guys to the ground. But uh, when you got a QB throwing for 5,000 yards <laughs> and, uh, and you know, making that field shorter through the air, you know, that's, that's enjoying too. And uh, not, not allowing him to get hit and, and get pressured and things like that, that's, uh, you know, that's really enjoying as well. And it makes the, it makes the drive shorter, I should say. <laughs> Who was the, uh, the, the baddest man you faced lining up across from you on the defensive line? Man, I get that question a lot. You know, um, you know, there's so many different type of pass rushers. You know, Aaron Donald is is uh, definitely a, a, not a big guy, a powerful guy like Halodinada was. And um, you know, I've I remember two minute drills with Halodinada, him getting three steps in the ground, just coming down like a like a Mack truck um, in a two minute drill. But I would say, like, consistently D line. You know, person I faced was you know Gerald McCoy in Tampa Bay over the mm. years, just facing him and that wide technique and how he used to jump the snap count, get off the ball quick. You know, he always gave us problems when we're trying to run outside with his wide technique. But uh, but yeah, man, I faced a, a lot of good guys. Um, I remember my rookie year facing um, uh, what's the big guy in Cleveland, uh, Sam Adams, couldn't even move him, big nose guard in Cleveland. And uh, Brian Young and Sam Franz, I think, was going into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, you know, some of those guys and the Pittsburgh guys. So, but yeah, but you know, I, I think uh, over the years the league has definitely become more of a, a rush, like a pass rush league, just because of so much of the passers. So, uh, but I, you know, I I didn't struggle with many defensive linemen. <laughs> I tried to always elevate, you know, my game every year to be the best that I could be. Let's talk about the 2009 season. You guys had a couple of down years uh, mm-hmm. record-wise. You bounced back in 2009. Obviously, that's winning the Super Bowl. Was there a turning point in that season for you guys in that locker room where you went, okay, 
this is our year. We're going to be able to win the Super Bowl. We're going to host uh, hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, I don't know if there was a, a turning point. Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of guys would, would think of that Miami game. Um, you know, we're facing Ricky Williams. He's, you know, getting back into the NFL, having a great season, and and uh, we get down to Miami. We know that that's where the Super Bowl is going to be later in the year, and we're getting down by like 21 or 23 points. And um, coming back from that game the way we did in the second half, I think, uh, you know, it kind of really, you know, as we're leaving, we're like, shoot, we'll, we'll be back in this locker room. And um, in similar fashion, we were. And we were down at halftime, you know, in the Super Bowl and came back as well. So, you know, if I think of a game, I would say, like, maybe that game, just because how many points we were down and just, you know, we, we, we wind up telling ourselves, like, hey, we're going to be back here, coach. You know, instilling that in us, be back here, and then, and then here we are, back here in the Super Bowl. So I think that Miami game, early on, you know, not early on the season, but during the season, I think could have had a pivotal kind of game for us. What was it like once the confetti fell there in Miami, and you guys were Super Bowl <laughs> champions? You know, it was uh, it, it was amazing. Um, just. You know, everybody's down there with their family and friends. And, uh, you know, it was uh, – and Miami is an awesome place to win a Super Bowl. And, um, but uh, but just, you know, that feeling of of just understanding that, you know, we completed the job because we won 13 in a row, but we knew our goal was ultimately to win a Super Bowl. So just, just, under, just putting it all together, you know, that whole season, winning 13 in a row – and and not just losing in the playoffs, but completing the task and, and all the great um, speakers that came in during the season to motivate us and our coaches and our models, you know, just being able to put it all together and and, uh, and win the Super Bowl. I just remember seeing how seeing Bourbon Street and seeing New Orleans on the TV and, and everybody was just so excited and, and couldn't wait to get back for the parade. And uh, New Orleans does it right because you win the Super Bowl, your parade is right right there in back in the middle of Mardi Gras season. So uh, it was awesome. Wrapping up our conversation with Jahari Evans, he joins us here on RP3 and Company, multiple All-Pro, multiple Pro Bowler, All-Decade Team, Saints Hall of Fame, and then Saturday he's going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in Natchitoches. When you got that phone call that you're that when you found out, when you were told that you were going to be inducted into the State's Sports Hall of Fame, uh, what did what ran through your mind in that moment, and what does it mean to you to uh, join some of the state's greatest players, uh, regardless of sport? Yeah, um, you know, it, it wasn't really on my on my radar. I don't know why, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, for as long as I played in the Orleans and won so many games, so when I got that phone call, I was um, I, I was really honored, and um, state of Louisiana has great athletes, great coaches, uh, you know, rich sports history and, and, and things of that nature. And, and, and the fans down here is really a region of fans and um, for the Saints. So I, I was I was really honored. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, I think it's a great class going into. And, uh, and I'm just going to, you know, take it all in. But uh, I, I was super excited. It's an awesome way to, to – um, to represent not the New Orleans Saints, but the state of Louisiana and New Orleans. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Brother, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
I know you're busy and you got your family and it's going to be a, a, a great weekend, an emotional weekend. But appreciate you making the time and congratulations once again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ashari Evans, greatest interior offensive lineman in Saints history. The accolades speak for themselves, and he gets one more honor this Saturday when he gets inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in Natchitoches. Appreciate him for his time. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory. And they pride themselves on earning your business. And here's the other thing. They're they're more than just show-stopping marble countertops for bathrooms and kitchens. They can also take your outdoor living space and your man cave area and take it to the next level. I'm talking making it the envy of the neighborhood during game days this fall. You love cheering on the McNeese Cowboys, Raging Cajuns, LSU Tigers, New Orleans Saints? Guess what? Do it in style. Reach out to my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about the sensational services and all the great products that they have to offer. They have live inventory. It's updated every single Wednesday. So go visit their website, lmgelite.com today. Or, you know what? Just stop by their showroom. They're located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford, Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Let's take a moment to update the poll question of the day. NBA draft is tonight, and we asked you this morning, what should the New Orleans Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? What should they do? They sit currently at number eight. What should they do with their draft pick? Right now, 70% of you, this has grown as the show has gone along this morning, say, stay at eight. Just take the best player available. 12% of you say trade up, and 18% of you say trade down. I'll be interesting to see what they do. I keep hearing that the guys that they're really high on may not be there at eight. So do they get proactive and try to trade up with one of those other teams? Sacramento makes terrible decisions every year. You could probably trade with them at four and go up. Ton on Twitter says, I mean, this year's class doesn't seem too deep still. I'd say stay pat, see what value is on the board, and go from there. Also, will this be the year Zion's finally healthy, or will Darren Francis be proven right? I think it's more likely he's going to be proven right. (laughs) Shout out to D. Keep those comments coming. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Hour number two, done. Hour number three, kicking it off with Les Cease of CrescentCitySports.com. Going to talk Saints, going to talk Pels. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived. Woo! Only one more hour to go on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Appreciate you making us part of your morning commute. Can't say it enough. Appreciate everyone that showed out and came out yesterday for the birthday bash there at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey. We celebrated 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Thank you for all who came out. And hey, thanks to all who have helped make this happen. Not everyone could come to the party yesterday, but a lot of you have made us part of your lives and we appreciate you. Even if you didn't come out to the party, we still appreciate you. Thank you for making us part of your lives. Truly appreciate it. First two hours were good. Very good. We talked Houston Astros taking uh, the second game from the New York Mets yesterday. Jordan Alvarez is on a tear. MVP candidate hits two home runs. Alex Bregman finally looks like he could be coming out of his slump, his historic record slump for his career. Strohs now head to the Boogie Down Bronx to take on the New York Yankees for a four-game set starting tonight. First pitch, 6-10. Astro launch will begin at 5-35. You can listen to it here, right here on the game. We talked about the Astros winning. We talked the College World Series. Oklahoma punches their ticket to the championship round of the College World Series in Omaha, eliminating Texas A&M. No more national seeds are left. Ole Miss, Arkansas are going to play again. Third time in this College World Series that the two SEC West foes will face off. They'll do so this afternoon. Winner advances to the championship round. We touched on that. Astros, College World Series, our birthday bash. And, of course, we had a great conversation last hour with Jahari Evans, who's going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame on Saturday, the New Orleans Saints legend and I consider to be the greatest interior offensive lineman in franchise history. But right now, it's time for us to kick off our final hour today. Sandwiched between two soon-to-be Louisiana Sports Hall of Famers. So we got Susan Jackson coming up at 8.30 is our next guest. He's the award-winning columnist reporter for CrescentCitySports.com. He covers the Saints. He covers the Pels. It's our good friend, Les East. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. All right, let's start off. Evans. I say he's the best all interior offensive lineman in franchise history. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, I think he's definitely the best interior offensive lineman in Saints history, and I would probably say that the closest competition would come from the guy he played along, played nearby um, for much of his career in Carl Nix. 
I think those two were the best guard tandem in the NFL while they were together, helped the Saints win a Super Bowl. I think those are probably uh, 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 that have separated themselves from any other interior alignment in franchise history. And, and you know, Carl is already in the Saints Hall of Fame as is Jari. That 2006 draft class, you'd be hard-pressed to look at a franchise that hit as much as they did with that draft class, with their scouting and getting guys that fit perfectly. Reggie Bush, Roman Harper, Zach Streif, Jari Evans, Marcus Colston. It's just a wealth of riches in that 2006 draft class. As someone who's covered the team a long time, did you know just how good it was early on? How early on, with all of them being together, Les, did you know that they really had hit it out of the park? Oh, I think you started to figure it out the first year, and then um, I, certainly by 2009, you knew it was really special. You know, there are, there are three drafts, really, in Saints history that stand out, and that's, that's 86, 06, and 2017. Uh, now, 2017 was really good at the top with, um, you know, uh, uh, Alvin Kamara and Marcus Lattimore and Ryan Ramchick, but they, I, I, it didn't have the depth uh, that some of the others had. 86, they had a lot of picks, uh, and there was Dombrowski and Dalton Hilliard and uh, I think Ruben Mays was in that draft. That was the first Finks draft that uh, produced the first playoff team. Uh, that was outstanding. But but '06 probably the, the the quality at the top, the depth uh, throughout the draft, and then the quality toward the bottom of the um, the draft with well, Marcus Colston especially. Um, was probably unique in that regard. And I think when you started seeing um, how many guys were starters right out of the gate, not just um, Reggie, who you knew was going to be a starter, but a lot of the other players as well. When you look at that, um, you know, how many guys were having an impact on the team that went to the NFC Championship uh, in their rookie years, you knew uh, that it was – really special and then uh, over the next few years we, we realized it was really historic less you know when I look at that team and how they were able to construct everything it was just a perfect marriage of coach and the roster development and and not to mention not only what they were able to do with the draft but the guys that they were able to bring in like Scott Shanley and Scott Fajita guys that were quality starters for them never big stars but guys that were necessary, right? Glue guys, great locker room guys. When it's all said and done, when you look at that class from 2006, in your opinion, who's the best player out of it? Is it Colson or is it Evans? Well, that's a good question. Uh, First of all, I think they also did a couple of things on draft day that if memory serves correctly, they, they maneuvered and made some trades, and they got, I believe, Jeff Fain, who wound up being their starting center, That's right. and Hollis Thomas, who wound up being a starting defensive tackle. 
who were important pieces as well. Even though they weren't draft choices, their uh, rival here had something to do with the draft. So you factor that in, and it gets even better. But, you know, it's really hard picking between those two. I, I would have to go with Jari because I think he has a chance to, to make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, and I don't think Marcus is going to get there as good as he was. And, in fact, he was never even selected for the Pro Bowl, which is really kind of hard to believe. But, uh, you know, those two really stand out uh you know, Jari coming from Bloomsburg State um, just was, you know, it just looked like they were rolling the dice on somebody uh, when he came in. And it turned out he was uh, an, an elite lineman for a long period of time. And certainly Marcus coming from Hofstra, there are a lot of similarities uh, in, in the level of competition they faced in um college and the fact that they got overlooked a little bit by by most other teams in the draft uh so they have a lot of similarities they both uh had a huge impact but if i had to pick one i I would pick jari just because i i think uh he he's up there uh he's a guy who's going to be talked about uh on pro football hall of fame ballots for a while we're talking with les east covers the new orleans saints new orleans pelicans for crescentcitysports.com he joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's shift gears to the NBA. The draft is tonight. The Pelicans currently sit at number eight. When it's all said and done and the dust settles this evening, will the New Orleans Pelicans actually have selected a player at number eight, in your opinion? I think that's the most likely scenario. But, uh, you know, they, as I've said before, I think they're, they're in a, a pretty good spot in that they are not in, in a desperate situation that they um, that, that they could trade up, they could trade down, they could stay where they're at, depending on how uh, the pieces come together and, and their sense of how the number eight spot lines up with their board. And if they, they see a need to go up or down, they have the assets to do either, and they also have – uh, I, I think a strong enough roster that they can uh, just zero in on one player that they want to move up and get, or they can be patient and, and grab somebody at number eight. So yeah, I think they have the luxury of being able uh, to just look at what they think is best and not feel like there's some pressing need they ha- that they have to address or, or that they have to uh, go and pick at a certain spot. So, uh, I, I think they can look at all options as the night unfolds, but my guess is that when it's all said and done, the most likely thing is that they finish at number eight because you know even you know they could trade down if they're not crazy about the quality there and pick up extra picks, but they have 14 guys under contract for next year, and they they may be moving uh, a good player or two just to get to the roster limit. So the, the the prospect of adding multiple players, and they have two number two picks tonight, you know, trading down and getting extra assets, unless they're in the future, I don't think is all that uh, attractive to them because their roster is so close to being set already. What about taking that number eight pick, throwing in Jackson Hayes and maybe a second to trade up to, say, Sacramento at four, and trade up in this draft? I think that's more likely than trading down. You know, I think if they could get one really 
uh, quality prospect in this draft, someone who is not going to last to eight, I, I think they would be glad to do it because, like, like I said, there's not a lot of opening on this roster. So one really good player w- would make it a good night for them. And if they you know, move one or both of those number twos or Jackson Hayes or both or some other asset in order to go up and get somebody they think is really special, I think that's something that makes sense. It's something that they can easily do. Uh, and if they if they come out of this draft with only one player, but it's the player that they really covet, I think that would be a great draft. So they do have the two seconds. And like you said, their roster is already kind of, you know, overflowing with, with players. So they're going to have to make some decisions of getting rid of guys or whatever like that. Do you expect them to still have those two second-round picks, or do you think maybe they trade them away for a future second-round pick next year or the year after? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that those um, those twos get moved somewhere along the way. Uh, you know, th- those guys, I don't think they're going to pick anybody in the second round who's going to be on their roster next year. I mean, maybe somebody could be – uh, on on a two way contract and and go you know play a lot in the G League they could stash somebody in Europe, you know they they could utilize it and 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 essentially they would it would be a futures type uh, acquisition uh, even if they use the the pick tonight I don't think that anybody's going to be picked in the second round who's going to be playing. Um, any significant amount for them next year. So I think, uh, especially since they have two of them, that gives them an opportunity to, to get a little more value in return. So, yeah, I, I think there's a, a real possibility that they would move those picks uh, to get something down the road just because it, it, there's really nothing they can do with those picks that's going to enhance their roster this year. Do they move Devontae Graham tonight, yes or no? I don't know at this point. It's hard to say that they would do it tonight. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. I think you've already you've hit on the two guys who are, I think, probably going to be talked about the most in trades in Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes. It's just, you know, with Zion Williamson coming back, Jackson's role uh, is a little harder to define right now, and he's so young and talented that I think he could bring good value. Devontae's a guy who's just getting squeezed out of the rotation because they have so many guards after acquiring C.J. McCollum, and then with Kyra Lewis Jr. coming back from the injury, and we haven't even seen uh, who they're going to pick tonight. Plus, you have you know Herb Jones and Trey Murphy the third or wing players. Um, so, I I think there's a very good chance Devontae Graham gets moved. Certainly tonight is going to be the most active trade night uh, between now and the start of the regular season. So that's a distinct possibility. Uh, But uh, you just don't know how quickly these things come together. But I imagine his name is going to be uh, talked about a lot on the phone over the next several hours. Wrapping up our conversation with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here an RP3 and company, but I know your primary jobs is covering Saints and covering Pels, but I wanted to ask you about the news that came out yesterday involving LSU. Uh, For some people, it's a long time coming. LSU is going to unveil a statue of Pistol Pete, the all-time leading scorer still in NCAA Division I basketball history. 
And that's going to be done on Monday, July the 25th. The department made that announcement yesterday. Uh, Look, I'm not a big statue guy, but it seems silly that they haven't had one uh, there. Um, How big of a deal is this? Oh, I think it's significant. Um, You know, that there was a a debate for a long time, you know, before they they had, I think, get an exception from the legislature in order to name the Assembly Center after him because he didn't have an LSU degree. Uh, And, you know, they they weren't naming the building after him. They're not putting a statue up there because of his degree or his GPA, okay? He was probably (laughs) the most significant uh, student-athlete in the history of Louisiana State University. And so why anyone would have gotten a statue ahead of him uh, it's a little bit beyond me, but uh, it's good that they're doing it. I think it's it's well-deserved. Certainly having the Assembly Center named after him was especially important because uh, basketball basically didn't exist at LSU. As great as Bob Pettit was, nobody cared about basketball until, until Pete got there, and he put it on the map. He was the reason that a new basketball arena was necessary because people discovered the sport because he was a, a transcendent figure. And as you pointed out, I mean, still the leading scorer in the history of college basketball, played only three seasons, played without a three-pointer, uh, which would have probably added 20 to 30% to his scoring total if they had it back then, maybe more. So he was just uh, a, a unique player basketball player and a unique athlete in the history of LSU and and it's it's long overdue but well deserved Les appreciate your time as always brother keep up the tremendous work enjoy tonight's draft and we'll talk to you next week brother thanks Raymond so there's two statues right now outside of the Pete Maravich Assembly Center Bob Pettit Shaquille O'Neal now we know Simone Augustus is getting one who may be the greatest female athlete the state's ever produced. She's getting one, and now we're going to have Pistol Pete. I do wonder where they're going to put the Maravich statue. Are they going to put it in the front? Because Shaq and Bob Pettit are on the back end of the PMAC. Your front entrance doesn't have a statue. I would assume you'd put Pistol Pete in the front, by the front entrance of the PMAC. So we'll see. So... Long overdue. Look, I'm not I'm not a big statue guy. Not. I'm not I'm not I'm not big statue guy. But it seems silly that they built other statues and did not have one of Pistol Pete. Remember, for the longest time, LSU wouldn't put someone in their Hall of Fame unless you had a degree from LSU. Would not put them in their athletics hall of fame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As Les pointed out. Yeah, it's not named the PMAC because of what Pistol Pete's GPA was. How did Pistol Pete do an econ? 2001. Hmm. Don't know. Don't care. Just saying. Got to take a timeout. Update the poll question of the day. You want to get your phone calls in? You can. Game hotline's open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. 
There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Listen up, fellas. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes to impress that special lady in your life. This is what we got for you in the clubhouse. By the way, it's free to join. It's simple. We even have a how-to video now posted on the website at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com to show you how to do it. So no excuses. And once you become a member, you're going to have that opportunity to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouth-watering steaks cooked exactly how you like them. I like mine medium rare for future reference. You can win that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse. Or you could also win yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right. Gulf seafood, great dining experience. Or you know what? If you want to take your lady out, have it be a little bit more casual, if you will. Maybe you want to go down to Cypress Bayou, have a good time, spend a little money, win a little money. $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen can go a long way. They got great burgers and sandwiches, cheese sticks the size of my hand. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? We asked you, what should the Pelicans do in tonight's NBA draft? 67% of you say stay at number 8. 19% of you say trade down. 14% say trade up. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Okay? Social media does not have to be a cesspool. It can be a place where you post delightful videos of your daughter showing you how to make a lava lamp. Which, if you follow me on Facebook, if we're friends on Facebook, you will have seen the latest Hades Amating video where she makes the lava lamp. Now, it's a little bit longer than normal videos because uh, mom was involved. She was filming. She was asking questions, disrupting the flow of the video. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We we struggled to put the the lid on the mason jar. (laughs) It was was a bit bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a challenge, if you will. Big weekend coming up in the world of sports, right? Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Induction ceremony is going to be Saturday night. Tomorrow is the Manning Passing Academy where you get access to all the players and the counselors, get to hear from the Mannings. 
You got Astros taking on the New York Yankees in the Bronx. It's a lot going on this weekend. Oh, and the most important thing this weekend is not the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Saturday night. It's not the Astros at the Yankees for a key four-game series that could be a preview of the ALCS. It's not even the Manning Passing Academy. You know what's the most important thing this weekend? Hyman Center tomorrow night. Dance recital. That's right. Hashtag Dance Dad. Gearing up. We got some practices today. Baby girl going to be taking the stage tomorrow night, so I'll be a proud papa there at the Hyman Center tomorrow night watching my daughter put on some dance moves. Couldn't be prouder of her. Stuck with it. Year number four in dancing, about to come to an end. We're going to finish strong. Going to finish strong. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we've already talked to one soon-to-be Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer with Jari Evans. We're going to make that two for you today. Susan Jackson, first LSU gymnast to be inducted. She's going to join us next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 23rd, 2003. San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds steals second base against the Los Angeles Dodgers to become the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 500 career homers and 500 steals. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. When the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame holds its induction ceremony this Saturday night up in Natchitoches, there's going to be plenty of LSU flavor in the class. Kyle Williams, Steve Duhon, Eric Andelsek, and Brittany Sneed Newman. But there may not be a single one of them that is as accomplished and has meant more to the program that she played for at LSU than Susan Jackson. She's the only three-time NCAA individual champion at LSU and is the only Tiger to win the NCAA all-around title in gymnastics. She will become the first LSU gymnast to be inducted into the state's Sports Hall of Fame. Joining us now here on RP3 and Company, it's our privilege to welcome on the legend, Susan Jackson. Susan, good morning to you. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing fine. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Susan, what was that feeling like when you received that phone call letting you know that you were going to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, so I have actually, the first time I went to this induction ceremony was when Dee, Dee got inducted five years ago. And I kind of just I fell in love with it and uh, the staff that put it on. I thought it was a great program. And so ever since that, I, I always, you know, I wanted to support it and support their efforts. And I've been going Ever since, I've been going to all the golf tournaments and every uh, every event that they have, I've attended. So when I got the call, they 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 were joking around and they asked me if I was interested. If they said, "Would you be interested in a Hall of Fame poker tournament? Would you attend?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't play poker, but I'll attend." And they're like, "We're just kidding. Um, we actually we're going to induct you into the Hall of Fame." So please show up, you know, it's not a poker tournament. It's actually an induction ceremony. So they did pick with me a little bit because, you know, I go to every event and, and maybe they think it's funny. I don't know, but it was really exciting. Like I said, I'm a big, 
supporter of it, and I think what they what they do is great. So to be now inducted myself is a huge honor. Uh, you gravitated towards gymnastics at a very early age, around three or four. Oh, what's some of your earliest memories, your fondest memories about gymnastics? Yeah, I started when I was three, um, just to kind of, you know, save myself from destruction and the house. I was pretty, pretty rambunctious as a toddler. You know, the memories I had were just being with my friends in the gym. And I don't know, I, I, I loved flipping and I loved, um, you know, getting the energy out. And I'm sure my parents loved it, too. Just just the good memories of friendships and learning new skills and yeah, I don't know. Just I got I was very I think good early on and it was just something that came very natural to me and I loved it ever since I was three. How much was your training and your just your experience there at Stars Gymnastics in Houston? How much did that further your development and help turn you into an All-American? I mean, those early years are are critical, you know, from age even the basics when you're three four or five years old those played a huge role into then developing the, the skills along the way right you have to start with the basics and have really great basics to be able to perform the higher level skills um in college and also before in elite gymnastics so very important it was during that time in Houston when you were training there with the stars that you also uh, became well-known for your babysitting prowess, which you would <laughs> babysit a future LSU star and a great um, a great gymnast in her own right, McKinnon. And then also you babysit the daughters of one of the greatest to ever do it, the 1984 Olympic gold medalist in the all-around competition, Mary Lou Redden, who had nothing but glowing things to say about you what was that like meeting someone like that and just hanging out with her and her family yeah it was amazing so I think probably when I was 13 or 14 um they moved back to Houston and they started training at at stars with me and I just I formed a relationship with Mary Lou pretty early on and I she was always my favorite because I was more of like a muscular stocky gymnast not your leaner thinner gymnast and so I always kind of looked up to her because our body type wasn't you know the favorite I suppose and so just meeting her one of my idols was amazing and then I I got to know all of her her four daughters Um, and when she asked me to babysit it was just it was cool you know Um, it's something that I, I look back on and just kind of chuckle and think that was amazing I babysat Mary Lou's kids, <laughs> but I still have I still have a good relationship um, with with the girls and with her. And she and my dad share a birthday, so I always text her on her birthday. And I don't know, it's it's special, small world. It is a small world. It is definitely a small world. We're talking with Susan Jackson. She's going to be inducted Saturday into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, becoming the first LSU Tiger gymnast to receive the prestigious honor. She joins us here on RP Three and Company. You know, you're a girl from Texas, and you have plenty of options when it comes to going to college and pursuing your career as a gymnast. Um, LSU was not high on your list early on, Susan, but I've met D.D. Bro uh, more than a few times, and I'm pretty sure I would uh, I would walk to the other end of the earth after one conversation with her. Uh, she <laughs> has that kind of personality. Uh, how quickly did she win you over? You're right about that. She is, um, she is, she is something. Um, you know, I... As you said, LSU was not high on my list. I think it didn't have a lot of notoriety when I was in high school. They weren't known 
for their gymnastics program. But I think early on in the recruiting process, I, I kind of connected with the coaches and fell in love with them, loved their style of recruiting. I felt that they cared about me as a, as a human, not necessarily just as Susan, the gymnast. And so that, that made me feel, you know, important and good. And so that's why I chose LSU and Dee Dee, man. You know, she's, she's had to put up a fight to get this program going and to keep it safe. And I think without her fight, without her belief in women's athletics, her wavering passion for LSU women's gymnastics, you know, heaven forbid, I might be a Bama fan. Oh, no, no the <laughs> listeners don't want to hear that. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, I'm saying, um, heaven if it wasn't for her, I, oof, I can't imagine me crimson, but that might have happened. <laughs> we know about her great energy, right, and uh, yeah. her enthusiasm. What is it like being coached by her? What is it like being mentored by her? Uh, and just give us kind of that kind of perspective from the athlete. She's tough. She She demands and she expects you to be great. And that's not just inside of the gym. That's Actually, first and foremost, it's kind of within your community. She wants you volunteering and, um, you know, getting part of a community. And, but also in the classroom, that's number two, and then in the gym. So if you're not performing in all three areas and aspects of life and, and university, you know, she's going to be tough on you. So she does demand the highest, and I think she can get it out of people. You get to LSU, and you mentioned it hadn't been a national prominent program. DD had started to build something. But you and, and that group there in the mid-2000s, you guys really started developing something special there, and especially finally breaking through there of the you know with the Super 6. What, what was the mindset for you and your fellow competitors during that time of, you know, being able to break through, win national championships, individual, and kind of break through there with the Super Six? Yeah, so I remember my freshman year going to nationals, and we got seventh or eighth place, so we didn't make it to the Super Six, which is like the final four in basketball. And I just remember being mad sitting in the stands watching the other girls compete. And I think all of my teammates felt it too. And I think that kind of fueled us for the next, season and and our training in the summer and yeah I I mean that's what did it and I know that we we wanted to be there for Didi because she had she had tried for 30 some odd years to get there and there was just this huge gorilla on her back and so I think we wanted to do it obviously for ourselves but mostly for her Um, and we did finally in 2008 I think we had a really strong group of girls Um, me and Ashley Claire Kearney who is another national champion kind of were potentially the leaders of, of the of the pack and we just kind of fed off each other and made each other better and I don't know yeah you know I want to ask about that because you know 2008 the breakthrough LSU finished fifth that year got into the super mm-hmm. six you won your first NCAA individual title there on the vault with a score of 9.8563 when you're you're part of a team, but yet there's also individual accolades that come along with it, so you can have this great moment where you've won the individual national championship, Susan, but on the same hand, your team falls short of winning the overall national championship. How do you balance that? How do you, how do you work through those emotions? I think first and foremost, you're there for your team. Um, that's the most important goal. Whenever you're 
going into college gymnastics, you don't even know what the individual accolades are that you can receive. And so they're very much in the back of your mind. You know, I, I did my gymnastics to better the team score and for my teammates. And if that was good enough to win a vault national champion or all around or a balance team, then, then so be it. You know, I, you don't really think about personal accolades at that, at that moment. So not a, not a whole lot of emotion when it comes to yourself. When the team doesn't win, that's, you know, you're hurting for your teammates and you're mad with your teammates. I want to talk about your senior season because it was something to kind of behold. You end up that year tying the single-season school record for most vault titles, 12. You also set the then-single-season school record for most all-around titles with 11. You won the NCAA balance beam and all-around championships as well. You went on to win the Gymnastics Honda Award as well as the AI Award. Did you ever in a million years, Susan, growing up in Texas and going through the training and hanging out with Mary Lou's kids, did you ever think you would accomplish as much as you did in your career? Again, I'm not sure I really thought about it. You know, I wanted I wanted to – another reason I chose LSU was kind of to be impactful for a university. I could have gone to a, a university that had already won an NCAA championship, but I wanted to go somewhere – that maybe wasn't on the map and to help that team grow. And so that's what I was doing for LSU. I mean, I, again, I wasn't thinking about the personal accolades. I didn't know what the Honda award was. Um, never thought about winning individual national championships. I think those things just came uh, with me competing for LSU, competing for my team. Wrapping up our conversation with Susan Jackson, she's the first LSU gymnast to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. That will occur on Saturday up in Natchitoches at the event center with the induction ceremony Saturday night. She joins us here on RP3 and Company. You know, you're a Texas girl and, and someone who lived in Texas briefly. Folks that are from Texas are from Texas. <laughs> it's very much a, you know, uh, an, an honor, right? Uh, you, you wear that on your sleeve proudly, but... I know how much Louisiana has meant to you, and, and what does it mean to you now to be inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, as you said, Texans, man, we are proud, uh, obnoxiously proud, I would say. And I, I talked about it this, earlier this week with somebody, and it's that, you know, I always was very, freshman year I was obnoxious, an obnoxious Texan, and I always said, you know, you can take me out of Texas, but you can't take Texas out of me, and you know, I was wrong in saying that, and Louisiana is very special to me now, and as I said earlier this week, it is now half of me. And I, I owe a lot to that to LSU and the coaches as well. They they really made sure that we were immersed in the crazy Cajun culture. They made sure we knew how to catch a redfish and how to properly peel a crawfish, and, um, you know, Dee Dee inspired us to go down to Bourbon Street and party all night. No, no she didn't. No, she didn't. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they made sure we um, we got the full experience, and I appreciate that. <laughs> one more for you, Susan, then we'll let you go. You know, you're viewed as one of those kind of foundation pieces for a program that has gone on to be one of the country's best and one that's held in such high regard. What does that mean to you? Um, it's kind of hard for me to view it that way. Um I hope, you know, I am very proud now to sit in the stands and see what the program has become. I mean, we we sell the PMAC out and there's fire and it's kind of a big spectacle on Friday nights. I mean, it's hard for me to get a ticket to go. So it is very a very proud feeling. And, 
you know, I, I hope to have left a small legacy within the LSU gymnastics program, maybe a, a legacy of hard work, of fighting through adversity, uh, and of being a good teammate and a positive influence on the community. Susan. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for making it this week. I know it's a busy week. I know it's going to be an emotional weekend for you and your family. But once again, congratulations on the great honor. Thank you. Looking forward to meeting you as well. Thanks once again to Susan Jackson, who's going to become the first LSU gymnast to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this Saturday night up in Natchitoches. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in Southwest Louisiana. Take a moment to thank our guests for making this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Jari Evans, New Orleans Saints legend. He's going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame on Saturday. Les East from ChristensCitySports.com covering Saints, covering Pels. And Susan Jackson, also going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, famed LSU gymnast, all for joining us today. Also want to thank all of you who voted on the poll question of the day, as well as commenting on the poll question of the day and all those who called this morning final results for that poll question of the day what should the pelicans do in tonight's nba draft 61 percent of you say they should stay at pick number eight 24 percent say trade down 15 percent say trade up there you go we'll see what happens once again nba draft is tonight also reminder astros head to the bronx for a four-game series against the new york yankees You can listen to all the exciting action live here on the game. First pitch for tonight's game is set for 6-10. That's Astros at Yankees live here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. There, hand of five names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6-9. But coming up next, Kevin Foote and Footnotes right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.